victims, for those of you who delight in dread, who fantasize about fear, who glorify gore, welcome. You have found the place where the horror returns. Listeners, beware. This podcast contains major plot spoilers and the foulest of language. Join us in celebrating the old and the new, the best and the worst in horror. Each episode, we seek out and review a brand new horror movie. And then we go back and find a classic work with similar themes, looking at both similarities and differences to explore how our perceptions change from generation to generation, but fear kind of remains constant. And we're doing things a little bit differently this week, as we tend to do from time to time. And we're actually going to be going back to the year I was born, folks. So now you all know how freaking old I am. 1968. Oh, wow. Yeah, 1968. So we are, we are covering the year in horror. And uh, we picked three films out that are kind of that I, I I think we would all agree these are kind of standouts. What would you guys think? I would say so. Oh yeah, definitely. I, well, one of them though I've never even heard of, but we'll get into that. That's always a good thing, man. You know, get into yeah. something. And and that you're talking about uh, Witchfinder General, I assume. That would be the one. Yeah, and if you go onto IMDb folks and you want to look this stuff up uh they've actually got it listed as the conqueror worm i know right weird name that's fucking fucked up what's that all about (laughs) conqueror worm (laughs) brian it doesn't sound at all like what it is (laughs) Uh, i don't know what it means but i know when i was um putting together uh the posters and stuff i post with the um when we released the episodes uh that poster kept popping up Right. And I, I thought it was a totally different movie until I like looked it up. So not necessarily sure what that's all about. Okay, well, kind of kind of a trip, but uh, obviously we're going to have spoilers. I think if you guys haven't seen these movies yet, you probably aren't going to. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so yeah, uh, it's like <laughs> fucking fifty, sixty years old now. There's going to be spoilers. <laughs> you fucking asshole, dude! I told you that was the year I was born, man. 49, oh, yeah. damn it. I'm holding the line. <laughs> 49, okay? <laughs> My bad. <laughs> All right. Well, as I just said, you fucking asshole. I'll, now I'll get into our uh, our warning. Uh, the other thing we may do from time to time is use a few four-letter words. This is a horror podcast, and horror movies tend to be R-rated, and you can expect us to be too. I'm Lance, and with me as always are my co-hosts, Brian and Philip. How's it going, guys? Going good. Oh, you do? Yeah, we're recording this on the Saturday of uh, Memorial Day weekend, uh, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that we have a uh, we have we have a we have a proud veteran in the house. Am I am I correct in that assumption? Oh uh, yeah, man. I uh, Memorial Day weekend's fun for me. I'm mostly just doing some grilling and chilling, but you know, uh, it's 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 Memorial Day, so we're uh, we're trying to remember our, our fallen vets, and uh, uh, want to give a shout out to uh, a guy in the Houston area. His name is Gordon. He died in a hit and run accident the other day. Uh, so, hate to bring the show down a little bit, but I want to give a little shout out to him. All good, man. 
Back up to grilling and chilling and floating around in the pool all day. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> what about you, Brian? Um, uh, probably probably have a few family members over, and you know, just the same thing, grilling. None too big. All right. Well, uh, what was your uh, what was your cool of the week, Brian? First of all, um, I made my first appearance over at the E Society uh, with Kevin and uh, Ivisu. Really? Nice. And then, yeah, it was a uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, we got to talk a little, uh, some movies. You know, some TV shows, a little bit of wrestling, a little bit of sports. Um, kind of feel bad because I felt like me being on there made the episode go a little bit longer than I, I usually hear their episodes go. But um, oh, that happens. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we got in some uh, Alien Covenant talk. And uh, uh, yeah, what do you think about it? <laughs> I know, what, I know what Kevin thought about it. Yeah, he didn't um, like it, huh? Contrary to what was said, I think he didn't completely hate it. It's okay. just not what he wanted out of it. And he really, he said after hearing our episode, he really wished he was on it. Okay, but um, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun on there. Um, if anybody's uh, doesn't uh, listen to them, you can find them at the Skater Nez Podcast Network. That's S K eight. ER Nez Podcast Network, and uh, I think everybody should uh, go check um, both his shows out. Cool. And um, my second cool of the week, I, last week I said um, after our Wonder Woman uh, posting in our Facebook group, I said I was going to try to watch as many of the movies suggested throughout the weeks, and I only got to one, and that was from a um, <laughs> one of our listeners. Okay. Out of 90, uh, 92 suggestions, you got to one. Okay. Yeah, and I, I, I told Kevin, thanks for the 72 of them he suggested. Right. Yeah, maybe, maybe um, a, a, a bigger bite than... <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I'm going to continue this throughout the week, so um, the one I did watch was Supergirl uh, starring Helen Slater. And, the movie, um, show no not the show um yeah i heard that was awful uh the show makes a little <laughs> bit more sense in this movie because oh, no. i don't I, I don't know what her power set is in this movie right but apparently she can change her clothes without actually putting clothes on she uh gonna be uses her heat uses her heat vision to bloom flowers and other kind of weird shit. I don't even remember. I know I've seen this wow. movie a long time ago, but it was it was <laughs> kind of strange. Peter O'Toole was in this, and uh, like I said, it was a strange movie. But, I mean, I'm glad I revisited it. Right. And um, another movie, just because it wasn't suggestive, but um, I watched uh, The Legend of Billie Jean. Because uh, when I was younger, I kind of had a thing for Helen Slater. And she was fucking hot in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> who, Helen Slater or Helen Shaver? Who was it? Who was it? I think it was Helen Slater. Okay. Now, is this the one where that that Kevin recommended, where she look she kind of looks like an airline stewardess on the on the box cover? No, I don't think anybody suggested this okay. one. This is the one where um, I guess her brother gets beat up, and his scooter. Her brother's played by Christian Slater. And, what? Um, no. Kidding. Yeah, she goes. She goes to the, uh, the 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 guy's father to demand he pay for the damages, and basically he ends up trying to rape her. <laughs> and, and this is Supergirl. No, this is oh Supergirl. Um, no, Supergirl is a different movie. This oh, is Legend wow, of Billie Jean. Way off. 
Oh, Legend yeah. of Jane. Okay. Yeah, oh, I'm done with Supergirl. Supergirl. Okay. Real quick, Supergirl, if you guys can stand, which I rewatched the original Superman, they don't hold up for me. If you can tolerate those movies, then I guess you could tolerate Supergirl. But um, yeah. I recommend Legend of Billie Jean. It was a fun little nice. movie. Man. But um, I think uh, as far as Supergirl, that came from listener. I believe his name is Darren Wilson, if I've got his name right. Excellent. Awesome. Cool. So well, that's oh, man, one, my... one down, and I don't know how many else to go. 91. 90 to go. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, keep, we're keeping count. Well, man, my cool of the week, I actually took a, uh, uh, a piece of advice from Lance. I watched uh, Eyes of My Mother. Uh, uh-huh on netflix it super fucking weird but i really liked it i think it was an awesome movie man very very artsy horror movie uh you're you're gonna look at the screen when it's over and be like what the fuck did i just watch but (laughs) but you're not gonna be able to put it down it's it's one that you can't stop watching my wife who falls asleep during every movie she's ever watched in her entire life Right. Uh, was trying to go to sleep before this came on, caught it out of the corner of her eye, and stayed up the whole time watching it. it it's it's super weird. It's like a it's like a train wreck. You can't really turn away. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> great. I, I don't know the actress's name, but it was a I great performance it, by her. Yeah, definitely. I thought the acting was great. It's super artsy, so you got to get ready for kind of an indie sort of film, and it's fucking right. weird. But uh, I really liked it. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. You, Brian, you you saw it. Did you did you give it a pretty high, pretty high rating in your estimation or what? Yeah, this is a definite like recommendation. Right. Yeah. Um, definitely. Check I, it like, out. like like Philip said, the acting was great in it, and it's a story that's just gonna just keep you keep your eyes on the screen until the end. Yeah, and like, I'm pretty you, sure a lot of people you're not gonna be able to stop watching it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure a lot of people after it was done was just kind of like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" Yeah, Steve, but Stephen in a Lo- in a good way. Stephen Loblad literally said that to us. I think he sent us an email. Said, "What the fuck are you guys get me into here?" <laughs> it's it's different, man. But it was it was fun. But I think yeah, that's uh, three recommendations from us. So I think people should check it out if they haven't. Cool. Absolutely. Um, yeah, well, look, my, I, and I've had a busy week, guys. I've seen a lot of stuff, a lot of movies. Uh, I've, I finally got around to starting a lot of new shows. The wife was in Utah for a week from Wednesday through Wednesday. So the TV was mine. Um, and I've got one. I, it was no contest guys. Absolutely. No contest. My cool of the week absolutely has to be the TV show that I'm probably most excited about since the leftovers. And it's called American Gods. Have you guys seen this yet? Great show. I still haven't watched it. It's fucking amazing, dude. <laughs> it's I read the book, and it's in it. It is so incredibly faithful to the book to a fault because it covers everything that's covered in the book. Plus, it adds a whole lot of additional backstory that's not included in the novel. And the way I think they're like up to, I, I'm halfway through it. I've seen like the first four episodes out of eight. I think they're supposed to do eight per season, and I think yeah. they're I think they're two and a half chapters into the book, which has about twenty chapters. So there's a lot of room for more stuff here. I think they're doing it right. And, yeah, the um, visuals are awesome in this movie or TV show. I'm sorry. Yeah, the visuals are amazing. 
Um, Ian, Ian McShane, I mean, what can you say about this dude? I mean, to say that he steals the show is an absolute understatement. But what about what about Pablo Schreiber? What, uh, what do you think about him, the guy that plays Mad Sweeney? Oh, the <laughs> I like him. <laughs> like, you know, he, he's he's crazy. <laughs> he is crazy. Phil, um, you got to you got to see this show, man. <laughs> I definitely need to check it out, man. I, I've heard nothing but good things. Brian, you were the only the only saying? one I'm not big on is the main guy. He's yeah, a little he t- just t- takes a little time to grow on you. Yeah, which I I don't know. I kind of thought about it. Maybe is um, I'm not big on his acting is because he's acting around like Ian McShane and you know other people. Right, there's a big I, name I think dudes is, in that. Yeah, one. and Philip, Plus there is a scene in here as with Jillian Anderson playing Lucille Ball. That after oh. that scene, I was completely all in on this show. Oh, uh, you talking, talking about where he went into the Costco to to yeah. do the shopping for him, dude? That is the most surreal scene in a in a television show that I've seen in many a year, guys. And yet, it was so <laughs> believable. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say, Brian? Like it was happening, and it was like, how the fuck can this be happening? And yet, it all made perfect sense. Yeah. Because you know she's media, right? Like big media. The new, the new. Do, do you guys, you guys understand the basic plot line, Philip? Or, or have you? No, I have no idea. Um, Brian, wouldn't you say it's basically the old gods uh, that are getting ready to battle the new gods? Yeah, because the newer gods would be like the god of technology and the god of television, you know, stuff like that. Oh, huh. the god of uh, the god of drugs or big pharma. Yeah. Um, the things that we've started putting our faith into now, because we no longer put our faith into things like Odin and uh, Jesus and things like that. Um, I mean, it's it's just an amazing show, and I'm just I'm blown away by it. I I had always heard, and I really hadn't looked into it that much. But the showrunner Brian Fuller, um, I know him a little bit through some of the Star Trek shows that he worked on. But I had always heard he had done a lot of stuff outside Star Trek. Like uh, he did a series called Dead Like Me. Um, oh, I love that show. I was going to say, I know that name, Brian Fuller. Yeah, he's he's the Wunderkind. He was supposed to be the showrunner for the new Star Trek, and he backed out for this, and I was really pissed off. But now I'm kind of like, it's okay. Oh, Hannibal, yeah. Philip, that's what you know what him you from, dude. Hannibal, you love that show. Hannibal, okay. Yeah, I love Hannibal, too. Man, both of those are super quirky, and I love them. Yeah, yeah well, I'll definitely check this one out. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm it's looking... A- I'm it's only sorry. eight episode season, and it's already got renewed for a second season. Okay, <laughs> well, that's a no brainer. Uh, but he is doing some writing, I see, on Star Trek Discovery, so I'm happy. I'm happy Ooh. about that. Anyway, that's my cool of the week. Sounds like we all have some, go. some good stuff going on. Um, so, Brian, what time is it now? First thing I want to start off with, I really want to get your opinion on this, Lance. Uh, they are making Hannah into a TV show. Well, you know how I feel about the movie. Um, I believe you think the TV uh, show fucked up. Um, I know it's not going to be a network TV show, as far as what I've read. Um, I think Amazon ordered it. Really? And um, David Farr, who was a writer, I believe on the uh, he co-wrote the first the movie. Uh, correct. Yep. Um, I think he's involved in this. Yeah. So. David Farr and Seth Seth Lockhead. Yeah. So. Um, 
far as uh, I can see, that's only in the beginning. I know. I think Amazon picked it up, and David Farr is involved with it. So, um, I enjoyed the movie, so I'll, I'll definitely check out like the first couple episodes whenever yeah. it comes out. So, we'll see how they do. It's it's going to be tough to match the movie. Um. Oh, forgot my Blu-ray picks uh, upcoming June 6th, Tales from the Crypt, complete series coming to nice. DVD. All right. For some reason, not Blu-ray. Um, I guess people hmm. have to wait on that. And uh, the Warlock collection <laughs> is coming, okay. is coming uh, Kevin, July 11th. Kevin will be the first in line. <laughs> you know what? I really, I liked... The second one, I really, I, I like the second one. I don't know if it's okay. because it had the same actor as the first one. Right. But it completely went off the rails, the third one. <laughs> okay. I, all I right. Get, I didn't get past the first one, but that it's all good. Uh, you didn't like the first Warlock? And, uh, I liked it. I liked it okay. I, I didn't uh-huh. think it was like... Uh, oh, you mean no. you didn't You didn't get to the sequels? Yeah, I. to be uh. honest with you, I'd heard some kind of bad things about them, so... I didn't the give the a chance. second one is uh, is decent. I'd stay clear of the third one. Okay, um, probably should have led off with this. Some sad news um, re- regarding Zack Snyder and his wife. Um, he is uh, pulled out of finishing post production for Justice League due to a death in his family. His um, his daughter had committed suicide. Oh, that sucks. And um, this happened back in March, and they kind of kept it to themselves, mm-hmm. kept it out of the media. And wow. he was basically trying the old, you know, let me let me go back to work. Maybe that'll take my mind off things. But I guess it's really affected his uh, family and his children. So he is um, pulled out from uh, any duties, uh, finishing up the movie. And um, yeah. condolences go out to the family. You know, that's something I personally I couldn't imagine happening to you know any of my children right yeah definitely a difficult thing to deal with and i'm sure you you know you think burying yourself and work will fix it and it doesn't just sits there and um uh apparently josh whedon is stepped in to finish duties on the film which everybody i kind of feel like there was a little bit of the comments i've seen on this were not exactly I didn't like him because uh, apparently everybody will now. Now Zach's out of the way. This movie's not going to suck now. And I was like, that's, you know, the man just is going through some stuff. Right. Given the circumstances, that's and just, kind of a shitty comment. <laughs> yeah. And just to explain things, the, the movie's done filming. Right. So Josh Whedon's just handling post-production and any filming of any extra because they are doing a couple reshoots. And he's not going to film his own movie because it's not going to match up with what Zack Snyder did. It's going to be, if it wasn't a mess before, it'd be a complete mess after that. Oh, yeah. So, well, condolences go out to their family. Yeah, that's uh, sad news, man. Um, This kind of happened uh, rather quickly. Uh, Resident Evil is getting, the series is getting rebooted already. Mm. Yeah, that was fast. (laughs) Yeah, it that, was gonna, it's, I heard something it's, about this. Yeah, it's going to be produced by James Wan. I heard that. Okay. I heard this story uh, from our friends over there at uh, Horror News Radio. They were talking about it last week. 
There was some guy at Comic Palooza that said something about the new Resident Evil. Oh, that's right. And I thought he was talking about the old one because he's was obviously not a big horror movie fan, and I thought he was just confused. Uh, (laughs) Maybe he was talking about the reboot, and he just had some information we didn't. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Man, he scooped us on that one, man. (laughs) Probably not. Um, I'll probably probably hold my judgment on this until I actually see something. Well, yeah, you kind of have to. Yeah. Um, uh, you guys uh, ever played the game Uncharted? Uh, no, nah, my grandson has. He uh, it, That's the one where it's kind of like an Indiana Jones type character. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've been trying. Yeah, they've been trying to get a movie made out of this series for a while. And originally, they um, I believe Mark Wahlberg was supposed to be the, the main character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like but so. they have officially um casted tom holland which uh, uh he plays spider-man in the new <laughs> spider-man movie yeah that's terrible <laughs> casting man <laughs> well yeah. apparently they're going with the story that happens before the games so uh, i think geez. what Why i think bother? what they're trying to do is they're banking on spider-man being a huge hit mm. i think it so. will be and uh it's gonna be directed by <laughs> sean levy I, i'm sure it will be <laughs> Yeah, Sean Levy is uh, he's directed Real Steel and um, some episodes of Stranger Things. <laughs> oh yuck! <laughs> well, Stranger right. Things is good, but Real Steel was a was a real piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. I've never seen robots, it, guys. I've never seen it. Okay, don't bother. <laughs> and okay, the biggest news of the week was. Um, everybody, we we've talked about the classic movie monster universe that they're they're trying to build. Well, they officially named it the Dark Universe. Okay. And um, they confirmed some news. Um, uh, the Mummy is officially the first movie in this ser- in this universe. And the next movie is going to come out February 14, 2019, and it will be The Bride of Frankenstein. Valentine's Day. And it will be directed by Bill Condon, he, which he just recently did the Beauty and the Beast uh, movie. Well, that's a... Different. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Kind of jump in a different direction there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as okay. far as casting, um, Johnny Depp is confirmed to be the Invisible Man, and Javier Bardem is confirmed to be Frankenstein's monster. In the in the Bride of Frankenstein, they're going to have the Invisible Man. <laughs> um, I guess I don't know if he'll. Huh? I don't know if he'll be in the movie. Um, okay. I have to rewatch the trailer. Apparently, there's a creature from the Black Lagoon uh, Easter egg in the Mummy trailer. Oh, so um, hmm. right. I, you know, I'm not mad at none of these castings. Um, yeah, Javier Bardem, I mean, is just like the designated bad guy right now. He's kind of awesome right. in everything he does. Good. Point. I kind of see with I kind of see with makeup he how he would look like Frankenstein. Yeah, definitely. Ooh. Yeah, that might might be a good good pick. I mean, I don't want to poo poo these movies until we give them a chance. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I really am pushing for the mummy to be good because to me it's, i know right? it's it's the mummy if you took the mummy and the mission impossible movies and just threw them together mm-hmm. i'm you know i to me it sounds like it's going to be a fun movie and i i really want this universe to work i know some people are like kind of down on it because they're, they're saying they're, they're bringing in too much action and i'm fine with it well, how are right. you supposed to know before the damn movie comes out? Good you know, the point. trailer looks pretty good. Let's let's wait and see what yeah, they got. Yeah, I mean, they can go judgment. the way they can go the way of the Marvel movies because you had, you know, right. Captain America. The Winter Soldier was a, like a spy movie. 
right? Yeah. And Ant-Man was a was a heist movie and you know you can have, you know, all these different movies that are in, you know, the same kind of universe and it Marvel's proven it's worked. Mm-hmm. So and uh, that's all the news we have. Okay. Well then uh, as with every show, it's time to take a little trip down to the trailer park. Uh, Brian, what's our uh, first new trailer to talk about this week? Okay, we're going to talk about the recently released new trailer of the Mist TV show coming to Spike. Dun, dun. Oh, oh, sorry. What guys. was that? <laughs> Somebody Hang. did not like this trailer. <laughs> Hang tight. Pause for a second. Okay. Hey. <clears throat> Gorilla Radio here, folks. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Uh, speaking of the mist, while while he's taking care of the dog, there. Uh, Sorry. We will. <laughs> no, that's that's cool, man. Because that's a good segue. Speaking of the mist, uh, guys. After we cover the trailer park here, we are going to be playing a uh, an interview with Christian Torp, and uh, Christian Torp is actually the showrunner and head writer for the mist. He's basically created the television shows, so. You guys are in for a treat here. As, as soon as we're done with Trailer Park, you guys are going to hear the 30-minute interview and then on to the uh, listener feedback in the movies. So, uh, yeah, anyway, absolutely. Go ahead, guys. And, and thank you so much to Lars uh, Detlison. Is that his last name? Actually, he yep. asks that we call him Lars from Denmark. He says, since Lars from, from Denmark. Denmark. Says, there you go. Since you guys have so much fucking trouble pronouncing my name, why don't you just call me <laughs> Lars from Denmark? And I'm well, like, I was just trying Lars to grab it off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure. I, I'm pretty sure that's his last name. But <laughs> anyway, Lars from Denmark. Thank you so much for setting that whole thing up for us, man. That was awesome. Yeah, Lars, Lars is Lars is an awesome guy. You know he he contributes a lot to you know comments to the Facebook group and to the page, and he's he's yeah. an awesome guy. I appreciate it, Lars. Yeah, always very involved. Okay, back to the trailer of the Miss TV show. Um, the first trailer we got. You know, wasn't really a whole lot. It was just kind of basically what you would expect coming from, you know, a TV show based off the movie. But right. the second one, I felt you really got to see a little bit of what's happening to the people. You know, the the dread, the the terror happening. Um, Looks very for- Stephen Kingish. Yeah, I can't forget. I can't remember the actress's name. Um, she's uh, basically p- playing the religious leader that's in the, the that was in the movie. And I know uh, she's been on a Mrs. bunch of Mrs. Se- uh, Mrs. Carmody is the character. Yeah, she's right? been on a whole bunch of uh, seasons of uh, American Horror Story. Let me see if I can. Oh, okay. The only one I really know is Alyssa Sutherland. Um, and that's because she uh, was in the TV show Vikings. And she's, okay. quite, go- she's quite gorgeous. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. But I'm not quite sure of the other uh, players too much. And uh, it looks I mean it looks pretty awesome to me. Uh I, I have I have my reservations because it's coming out on Spike. Um right. it, which you know concerns me a little bit because it's not like one of the one of the big uh networks or anything, but it looks really good. Uh, a lot of gore in this second trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um I mean, it kind of it, it it assures me there that you know I kind of thought maybe they might hold back a little bit on this show, but this this second trailer really kind of proved me wrong that they're not because there was uh, some gory gory effects in this show and um, 
I'm definitely, I mean, I was going to check it out before, but I am fully on board now. And I really hope that, you know, we get more out of it. I don't want to see a show that's just going to take main, take place mainly in one area. Well, guess right. what? Guess what? We got some inside scoop, my friends. So when we're done oh, talking oh. about it and we play this interview, you're going to understand what I'm talking about. It ain't taking All place right. in one spot. Yeah, definitely okay. not. That, they, that they, definitely that definitely makes me feel better. They've got it set up so that uh, so yeah, you can see a bunch of different little storylines. They they're they're making it to last. Yeah, Christian was telling us that they have a script bible uh, set out for three seasons already. Oh, nice. So um, everybody definitely, I believe it comes out June twenty second. June 22nd on Spike yep. TV. Yes, sir. Yep. So everybody tune in and definitely listen to this interview. And moving on to our next, it's not really a trailer. They released a seven minute clip of this movie. And it is fucking bananas. It is all out craziness. It is Wormwood Chronicles of the Dead. <laughs> okay. There's already a movie called Wormwood, isn't there? Yes, this is the sequel. What? Yes. Are you serious? Dude. And I love the first movie. Okay. you uh, Hold on. Brian, tell me if you remember this or not. About two years ago, you and I first started talking on Facebook. Yep. Were we not both talking about this movie at the same time uh, through Messenger? Yeah, yep. I believe this might have been how we met was through this movie. I actually believe it was, man. So I can't wait for it, dude. <laughs> for yeah, nostal- and- nostalgia alone. It is a just crazy Mad Max looking zombie flick in Australia that is just the first one was fucking crazy. Uh, gas, all kinds of gasoline did not work, but yet uh, cars were fueled by um, the zombies themselves. And it was just huh. all out craziness. And this this little seven minute clip, if anybody hasn't checked it out, I'm going to post it to our Facebook page and our and the group page. Um, it's just wall to wall craziness and I'm definitely looking forward to this. Um, no release date has been, um, set yet. So I'll keep everybody informed. I actually missed this. So I'm really looking forward to checking it out. Yeah, it is just, I don't know. I, I mean, I could like, this is the type of shit my wife probably won't even watch cause it's just crazy, <laughs> but just makes it that much more awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I just found out after the first movie there was a TV show, so I don't really? know if it was uh, released in Australia or not, or if we're mm-hmm. available to get it. But um, I think it continued on from the movie. Okay. So, um, and the, the the first movie is on Netflix, so I do recommend everybody check it out. Yeah, it's worth oh, cool. to watch for sure. And uh, that um, that's pretty much it. Uh, it. Hasn't been a big week for trailers. Okay, cool. And that's a good thing because uh, we now play our interview with uh, the Miss Showrunner, Christian Torp. Okay, we now uh, feature our interview with Christian Torp, creator. Did I pronounce that correctly, Christian? You did, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> creator of the upcoming television series, The Mist. Uh, Christian has won several awards in his native Denmark including a Bodil Award for Best Screenplay in 2015 for the film Silent Heart. Uh, Christian, thanks for joining us, my friend. Uh, my pleasure. 
So uh, first question, a uh, very simple one. How did you uh, become involved in this project, and what drew you to uh, become involved in The Mist? Um, the, the long story or the short one? Oh, the, lo- the long story, always. Okay, <laughs> of the long one. Um, I, I've been writing back in Denmark for a, a couple of years and, and actually mostly been doing comedy. I, I did a show here called Rita that had been going for a, a couple of seasons, which landed me my agent in, in Los Angeles. Uh, and I went over there and I, uh, did some meetings and sold a pilot to Showtime that, then by chance ended up on Bob Weinstein's table. Uh, and, and he read it and, and really liked it and, and called me in for a meeting and asked me if I had uh, any interest in Stephen King. And uh, <laughs> I said, yeah, of course I do. You know, who, who doesn't have an interest in, in yeah. Stephen King? He's pretty, pretty much everything I read from I was 12 to 20. He taught me how to right i grew up with him um uh and i you know i asked what project it it, it was and he said it was the mist uh weinstein did the darabond movie back in in 2006 and they still have the underlying rights so i said i'd go back and and reread the novella um i hadn't read it in in, in many years but i i reread it and i thought it was just such an in incredibly timely metaphor for, for what people do when they are blinded by fear. Um, and I, it, it, you know, two things was clear. One was how, how relevant it was today, but and the other was that there is not as such a show in the novella. It takes place pretty much over two days in a supermarket. Right. You would need to make a lot of, of changes to, in order to turn that into an ongoing series. Um, so, um, I, I had a very honest conversation with, with Bob about that, uh, about what we sort of would need to do and how I, I could approach it in, in order to turn it into a show. And um, I told him that I'm, I'm not a horror writer. I love, I love horror, but I'm, I have never written it. Uh, and, 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 and if he was looking for genre perfection, then he was looking at the wrong guy. But I was happy to, to give it a shot, provide either that he would sort of everyone involved and that was Weinstein and King and, and, and the network were on board with that. It would sort of be a, a weird bastard mix of psychological drama and horror, which is sort of what I thought I could provide. And, and uh, then they all said yes. And uh, then we took it from there. Yeah, coming from a novella to a television series, I'm sure that you're going to be getting uh, a lot of creative freedom to do things. Because, I mean, you can only follow the story for maybe the first few episodes, I would think. Yeah, I, I mean, the story in, in the novella is pretty much, what does it, you know, two days, and they're in the supermarket pretty much all the time. Um, so I, instead of taking that and stretching that out over the first two days, I, I kind of decided to, to uh, I certainly took uh, a lot of things from it because I wanted to stay true to the heart of King's novella. Uh, but I also knew that we needed to, to expand on it a lot. Um, we took the idea of a supermarket and sort of expanded it into, into a mall uh, just to get a lot more people in there. And, okay. All right. And create a, 
a, a, a bigger mini society. And mm-hmm. then we also established a, a couple of, of other pressure cookers around town, different little islands of people that were trapped in, in different circumstances. And then the, the fun part for me was to, to sort of play around with the idea of how how differently people would react to the mist and to what was going on, depending on who they were trapped with. You know, some people would seek a, a rational explanation. Some would seek a, a religious explanation. Uh, some would seek an explanation based in, in, in who they were, were trapped with, whether or not they loved them or hated them, or if they were caught with, you know, a friend's, friends of foes they would sort of you know the psychology of the arena they were in would in a strange way change how they what they thought was going on outside which i just thought was just an 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 interesting metaphor for how people in in today's world react to whatever fear they are confronted with did you uh did you actually get to meet with mr king at any point during the project I uh, know we we emailed back and forth. He he lives as I'm sure you know up in in in, in Bangor. Uh, so we've just been emailing uh, him uh, each other, and uh, I sent him at at some point pretty early in the process a a very long email about uh, what I uh, what I wanted to change in order to turn it into an an ongoing series. Um, and uh, waiting for. That answer is probably the scariest thing I have tried, tried in my life. <laughs> uh, but I got a, a, an answer from him, and he, it was just about as kind as and as generous as as it could be. He was very, very friendly, and just said that as long as I didn't do anything ordinary, <laughs> um, then he was on board. Then he was on board with any change that I made, um, and he completely understood why we needed to change in order to turn it into an ongoing show. And he was just, just incredibly generous and, and supportive. Nice. Yeah. I've always heard he's, a, he's a really nice guy. Uh, are you, are you a big fan of the novel? I know, or the novella. I know that, uh, you said you had to reread them. So, uh, it seems uh, like maybe I, a fan. I am, but in, in, I'm, I'm a fan of pretty much, much everything he has, he has written, uh, in growing up, uh, it was kind of my my Bible. There was just something so oh, nice. magical uh, in for me in that in the mix of horror and coming of age story, which he he does so well. Um, it was the book I, I I lived by and swore to for for many many years, uh, and I have written I read pretty much everything he has he has written and and loved and cherished every page of it. So it it was. It's a big deal for me to to get his blessing. What uh, what did you think about the film that came out? And are there any kind of changes that you that you're free to talk with us about? And uh, what kind of differences are is the TV show going to have uh, that's different than the movie? Uh, I I love the film. I thought it was a a very very strong film. It's it's a in many ways a a horror classic. And I kind of I. I I love Darabont's ending. Also, it was uh, you know as as bleak as it possibly could be. Um, <laughs> I you know I know there's an ongoing discussion which which ending is the is the best one. I 
to me, I'm just so happy to live in a world where we get both endings. I mean, one ending doesn't stop the other ending from exist. There's still the King ending. If you want to want that, then you can reread the novella. I thought Darabont's ending was a very inspired take. Um, uh, there's certainly elements that uh, from from the movie that and and the novella that survived and that we expand on in in our story. Uh, fans of, of of the novella and, and the movie will know mm, that there's a a project Arrowhead that they briefly touched upon. That's something that we expand on in our storyline. Uh, fans of the novella will also remember that there's something called the Black Spring, which is sort of something we dive a little further into. Um, and and then hopefully the the heart of, of, of the story is something that we carry along. Um, but we did change uh, pretty much everything else. It's a, it's a new story. It's new characters. We wanted to sort of start with a, a clean slate, but yet at the same time, bring they have a weird familiarity with the, the characters and, and the storyline in, in the novella. Um, and I've, previously sort of compared it to to the approach that they did when they adapted Fargo into a, a TV series, how the characters there are, are, are new, but they are still strangely related to the original characters. And there's a constant sort of ebb and flow communication between Fargo the TV show and Fargo the movie, uh, where it sort of touches upon the, the, the source material once in a while. And right. then diverts from it again, and then back in contact with it, and we sort of decided to take the same approach with with this show. Oh, that's okay. a great well, you worked comparison. Yeah, you you've worked in both television as well as film. Uh, what are some of the biggest differences yeah. in working in the two different mediums? There's, it's it's an entirely different world. Um, <laughs> obviously, a story is a story, but there's a major difference if you get to tell. A, a story that you can close after two hours or if you tell a story that you constantly have to almost close and then in the last minute reopen right. for the next episode um it's it's just a very different way of, of breaking story and and thinking um the relationship with the director is also very very different um on a tv show the writer is the boss on a movie it's it's the director and and you're lucky if you get invited to the premiere uh, in, in television. <laughs> it's sort of the other way around. Uh, so it's it's two very very different mediums from a writing perspective. But I do enjoy both, and they give me I don't know they give me different pleasures. It's just uh, it's two very different ways of working. Yeah. I have a question for you about uh, the the film for which you won the award, uh, the major award, Silent Heart. Um, uh -huh. of, course, well, of course, this is not a horror movie, um, but I'm sure there are some horrific elements. I think it has to do with uh, uh, choices of euthanasia and things of that nature. I mean, can you tell our listeners anything about this film? And uh, do you know in the States how we can find it? If not, we'll we'll find out and put it out there. But we're we are interested to uh, to know more about this. It's uh, it's in in many ways as far away from a horror movie as it could be, and yet it deals with with everything that a horror movie does, which is you know fear and and acceptance of death and and 
and and yeah, I don't know. It's it's a story about a a family that meets up one last weekend after they uh, decided to help the mom who is terminally ill with assisted suicide, and then it basically just follows that family uh, over that weekend where they all know that the mom is going to die on Sunday. Right. Uh, so it's sort of playing playing you know the dance macabre, the dance with death of how much do you try to forget forget that death is coming on Sunday or and or how much do you go into it and accept it? Do you run away from death? Do you walk into it knowingly and openly? Uh, that's sort of the themes of of the movie. Um, I'm actually not sure where it's available in the US. Um, maybe on Netflix. I I, I don't know. I, I can't answer that. Oh, we can we can uh, find well, that out pretty easily. Yeah, uh, I'm sure it's I'll on iTunes it. and other media as well. We'll we'll put that out there. Would Would you say that uh, that that winning of the the Bodil Award was your was that your greatest professional achievement so far? Is that uh, is that the one that really stands out for you? I don't know. I think I think my my. My biggest achievement was overcoming the fear that I had of doing this show, The Mist. Ah, and that yeah. was okay. <laughs> that was, you know, terrifying. And in many, many ways, I wanted to say no when it was picked up. I was so fucking scared of just messing it up, or you know, disappointing the fans, or disappointing Mr. King, or, or just not being able to to do it. But I also knew that I wouldn't forgive myself if I passed on it. So I I stayed on, and I. I did the show. I finished the season, and and doing that, you know, sort of allowing myself the possibility of failure. I I think that's my greatest professional achievement so far. Nice. Got to risk it for the biscuit. That's what they say. Yep. <laughs> but yes. Uh, well, what's it? Uh, what's it like filming in Canada versus filming in Europe? Are there any major changes, good or bad? Um. There's, there's some, change, some some differences. Uh, definitely longer days um, in in Europe and in, in Denmark in particular. You do eight hour days on set. Uh, in in Northern America, that's both Canada and the States. You do usually twelve hours, sometimes longer, um, which I actually prefer because then you sort of get to dive in. In Denmark, you barely get to dive into the material before someone yells lunch and you all break and you sit in a coffee for an hour and then you go back and then someone yells end of day and you just like, yeah we just got started so i kind of i like the rhythm of, a, of of an american day where you really get to get into the material and, and get some some stuff done um it's definitely also a more authoritarian set in in the states uh it's more of a you know the show runner is coming look busy <laughs> kind of atmosphere it's uh whereas at denmark is probably a little bit more relaxed a little a little bit more casual i gotcha uh, i imagine you're quite busy with your work do you still find time to to write in other works that are not adapted for the screen like do you write any short stories or novels or any non-fiction stuff i i do and i well i write i write feature movies on on the sites which is sort of an a a nice way of doing something different. And for my features, I like to write them on spec before, uh, before they are sold or before they are commissioned by a, a studio, um, just sort of to get the, the opposite 
of uh, of, of the TV process, uh, process, which is so note intensive and everyone has an opinion. So mm-hmm. I like to just sit down and, and write a feature script with no notes and no interference. Um, but I also just write little, I don't know, little stories or notes to myself, both fiction and nonfiction. I like writing without the pressure of it having to be ready for production, uh, just for the pure joy of, uh, of writing. Um, and it's often where I get my best ideas, just doing something that is not intended for anyone to see. Nice. I'm very interested in the in the uh, process of putting the show together, Christian. Okay, kind of my que- so a few questions I have for you sort of revolve around, uh, I guess as you as we say here, which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> if you've heard mm-hmm. that saying before, um, for yep. example, for example, casting. Okay, uh, how how involved were you in the casting process? Uh, I'm I'm heavily involved in the in the casting process. Okay. Um, the showrunner traditionally oversees casting work with uh, the casting director. In this in this case, it was uh, Alexa Fogel, who is just one of the best of the best. Uh, she cast The Wire, Treme, wow. uh, just really really top top of the crop. Um, together with her and the pilot director, we narrow it down to maybe five people per role uh, and then present those those names to network and, and studio. Um, for some of the characters I I would had I would have an idea of uh, who I wanted to uh, to play to play the part. Um, I had a, a Danish actress called Danica uh, Turchik uh, that I really, really wanted on board. I worked with her before and I knew she was terrific. Um, right. And I, I knew I wanted her to read for the role of Mia and other you have an idea that uh, this would be a, a a great person for a role like you know uh, we have Frances Conroy on board who is just you know, wonderful uh, but she's sort of in a league where you don't ask her to read but you approach her with you know a script and say are you interested in 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 this character and then in in some cases you have no idea what kind of flavor you are looking for, and then you keep an open mind and you look at the people who come in and read, and someone blows you away, and you go, "Oh, there's my, there's my Kevin, or there's my Adrian, or yeah." By any chance, when you're going through this process, do you uh, do you sometimes maybe ch- change things up a little bit on what you have mapped out for the show? Do you possibly um, make changes on the fly to how certain characters are going to be, or even add? new characters based on uh, who, you, who you've uh, decided to bring on board? I've, I've done it in, on, on my Danish show um, where you have a little bit more time in pre-production uh, okay. where I, I, I had a character that was originally written as sort of a, a, a nerdy gay man that ended up being a, a, a quite the opposite female character just because I saw an actress that I loved so much that I decided to change everything. Um, the, the schedule is a little tighter in, in the U- U.S., so it's not possible to make such a radical change. But if I, I, what I will sometimes do and what we also did here is that if you see an actor that you really, really love but it's not right for the part, 
then you give uh, him or her a smaller part, maybe in in episode two, and then just decide to keep that character along, and and slowly the character finds its its own life and becomes a right. a part of a show way that wasn't intended. Uh, and we definitely had uh, we had a couple of characters that just grew because I fell in love with the actors after seeing uh, the pilot characters that were supposed to, you know, die at the end of season one. But I decided to, to keep along because I loved what they did so much. Right. So in, in that way, you can certainly, you know, allow yourself to keep an open mind and, and be, in, be inspired as, as the, as production starts and you, you see what, what works and what doesn't. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so you get through the part where you've um, you've got a, I guess, an outline for how you want it to go. You've got the pilot, I would assume, written. You've got everything uh, completed as far as who you're going to have casted, etc. Um, where does the process go from there? What's uh, when you get kind of down and dirty and, and start getting into the filming? Is there a lot of rewriting that's done on the fly, or is everything pretty well scripted out? Um, the the pilots uh, that we went out and so before we even go go out and pitch it, uh, I developed this project internally with the Weinstein Company, uh, and before we even take it out to a network, it was you know very far along. I had uh, written a, a full pilot um, that was very close to the pilot as it ended up being. I had okay. done a well, what we call a serious Bible, which okay. is a a Bible of the show, sort of a breakdown of all episodes in in season one, so that the network know knows where the show is going. Sort of a you know a, a break one page per episode in in season one, so they know you know where the story goes from here. Um, some rougher ideas for season two and three. And based on that, we go out and, and sell the show. And what usually happens is then you sell a pilot and go out and shoot the pilot. And then hopefully later on, you get a series pickup. In this case, we got a, a full full series pickup, which is pretty rare. And it, it has its upside and its downside. The upside obviously being that you you have a show on the air and you don't, you know, uh, no, it doesn't matter. No matter how the pilot goes, you actually get a full full season. Uh, the downside being that you don't have the break after the pilot that you usually do to sort of sit back and evaluate and and go over it and sort of eh, should we make some changes here? Uh, is is it working the way we intended? Because once you push that full season button, once you start production, mm-hmm. the train comes towards you, and I don't think you. you if you haven't tried it, you can't imagine what that train coming towards you is like. It's slick uh, <laughs> and unstoppable, and there's nothing to do than just work 24 hours a day. It's it's pretty intense. Uh, now, on IMDb, you've actually got a director's credit for one of the episodes of The Mist. Was that the pilot? Yeah, I Someone told me that. That is a mistake. I have not directed <laughs> any of the episodes. But I probably shouldn't. I didn't Adam Bernstein directed the pilot and did a wonderful job. Uh and, and we had episodic directors for everything. Um, um as the showrunner, I'm on set overseeing the, the directing and you know, making 
and constantly discussing with the director if the material we are getting is doing what it's supposed to. Uh, but I haven't directed any of the episodes. Okay. Uh, who who are your favorite writers and uh, and directors, and what films or shows uh, have heavily influenced you as an artist? Um, well, writers, uh, Stephen King, obviously. I really can't underestimate the influence he has had on me. I was obsessed with his books as a as a teenager. Uh, um, all of them, but in particular, it. Uh, Dan Simmons wrote a, a book about the same time called Summer of Nights that sort of had the same effect on me. It was that mix of horror and coming of age that, that got to me. Um, in, in more recent years, uh, Jonathan Franzen, Jonathan Coe, uh, Edward St. Aubin, a British writer, uh, Brad Easton Ellis, Oscar Wilde. They're, they're all people who have a healthy dose of contempt towards society, which, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it tends to, to, to sharpen their pen. Um, I never grow tired of reading David Sedaris. That's an entirely different genre. Oh, that that's, that's uh, completely different. Right now I'm reading... <laughs> it's as, as, as different as it could possibly be, but right. it's just... It's pure pure joy for me to read him. It's just... Yeah, it's, it's heaven. Um, right now I'm reading a book called The Knicks, by Nathan Hill, which is pretty pretty great. Uh, so yeah, I I don't know. I like uh, contemporary fiction. I I'm not an intellectual reader. I tend to go for you know a good story with great characters. That's where it, right. it starts to be. Um, I think in in TV, if we're talking TV, uh, again, I started out as a comedy writer, and comedy is still strangely my favorite thing to watch. There's nothing I admire more than a perfect sitcom episode. Uh, like Frasier <laughs> at or late 70s, early 80s sitcom, like Taxi or the Norman Lear sitcoms, uh, the comedies that sort of there to mix pain and, and laughter. I've always loved mm-hmm. those and I still do. Uh, today that would be shows like uh, Bojack Horseman or 30 Rock. Uh, um, yeah, I... I there's something something that struck me recently of while doing this show is how closely related horror and comedy are. They hmm. go both go deep into your soul in a ways that you can't explain. I can't explain why something makes me laugh laugh or why something gives me nightmares. It just does. And so in a strange way, because they trigger such primal impulses, they defy logic in a weird way. And I, I, I like that about both of them, uh, both of them for more sort of. Uh, that makes absolute show. sense. Those are two, my two favorite genres. I completely agree with you. Yeah. It's just, uh, it pushes some buttons you're aware of, and that just makes it interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, wh- what got you into the profession and do you have any advice for listeners who would like to be screenwriters? Like how did you start writing was it just reading a lot of books uh, what got me into i always knew i wanted to be a writer it was more a question of whether or not i wanted, wanted to write novels or screenplays um and like most writers i am by nature and an introvert i li- like being alone sorry hang on a second no, no worries <laughs> <laughs> to turn off. 
of my phone. Um, I don't like most writers, I'm sort of an, an introvert. So it was more a question of how much do you want to be alone? Because if you write novels, then you are completely alone. At least sure. as a screenwriter, you get to work with, uh, with other writers in a writer's room. You get to work with a director, producers. Um, and, and to me, that was a, a good mix. So that's why I, I ended up diving, diving into that. Um, in terms of advice, there's really only one piece of meaningful advice that is, you know, write and write some more and write again and then rewrite uh, and you know, don't hold on to your precious writing. Share it with people you respect and listen to their notes instead of thinking you know best because no one knows best. We all need notes. We all get lost in our writing. Um, so, you know, take advice from people you admire and then continue to write like it it takes 10 years of hard work to learn to master a craft it doesn't matter if that craft is playing tennis or playing the piano or telling a story it's it's a good you know 10,000 hour to to learn to master it so the sooner you get started and the more you write the better you'll be that sort of sums it up i think it's it's hard work but it's also a lot of fun nice uh, are there any special organizations or charities that you're particularly passionate about? Huh. Uh, I've never been asked that question before. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, good. No, <laughs> We're they, doing our job. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's, there's nothing I resent more than people trying to, wait, to take away other people's freedom. Uh, whether that is, you know, to limit their freedom of speech or their right to get married or to live their life as loud or silent or perverted or normal or risky or safe as they want to. Um, and there's a lot of those people at the mo moment, both on extreme right and extreme left that want to tell us how to live our lives and allowing people to define their own life. That's something I'm very, very passionate and, and vocal about. Absolutely. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, we appreciate uh, you taking the time with us, Christian. Uh, a couple of final questions, if you if you have sure. time. Uh, I, know, I know you're very busy with the project right now. Um, first of all, for all of our listeners who want to follow you uh, personally and the other works that you're that you've done before, where where can we find you on social media? Oh my, I'm so not a social media person. <laughs> I don't even have a Twitter account. Should I? No. <laughs> Should I have a Twitter account? <laughs> You're too busy. I, I don't know. I've only got one because I was I, trying to win some concert tickets. <laughs> that's a good reason. <laughs> I used to have one, but I was just like Twitter. It turned out to be it was it seemed to me just be like the five angriest percent of the population. And I just didn't want that in my life. So I deleted it. Um, I'm, I'm still on Facebook and people are very welcome to, to follow me there. It, it's a little bit more random and just personal stuff from my life and i'm also on I can, I'm, I'm also on instagram uh uh i don't know for some reason those two mediums seem less angry than than twitter um, yes and people okay. are very welcome to follow yes. me there well well listen we're here we're here mainly to talk about the mist so tell us everything about the mist where can we see it when does it begin how many episodes are in the first season uh what's the rundown uh, we have done 10 episodes so far, and we premiere on uh, Spike June 22nd at uh, 10 p.m., and we'll air every Thursday at, at 
10 p.m. for the rest of the summer. Uh, and then hopefully I will see you all again for season two. That sounds like you guys you guys have, have plenty planned out if you've already created a Bible. You said you've gone out about three potential seasons, right? Uh, yeah, that's, uh, we have a lot of story to tell still. We, have, right. we are so not done with this, uh, with this world. That's a, that's a lot to explore. Excellent. Okay, well, listen, we appreciate your time. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Great. It was thank you. <laughs> All right, have a good day. Thank you. You too. Bye. All right, that was our interview with uh, Christian Torp, and uh, we definitely appreciate him being on the show. Um, what did you think, Philip? Cool guy? Oh yeah, definitely. He was awesome. He, uh, uh, I, 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 I love his accent. <laughs> I love everything, man. It was awesome. It was super cool. Uh, he was, he was great and charismatic and, uh, uh, I guess the audio quality maybe wasn't the best just because, you know, we're talking to him from Denmark, but, uh, I thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to, to talk to us. Yes. Thank you very much, Christian. Much appreciated. Um, so do we have any uh, listener feedback this week, Philip? Uh, Zach Baxter and the Knights of the Drunk Watch. Uh, they get together and watch shows you probably watch anyway, like uh, Game of Thrones and American Gods, which we already talked about. And uh, they provide their own drunken commentaries, like uh, Mystery Science Theater, but <laughs> the live version. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, they have their own YouTube channel and you can search for, uh, and you could also find them on Facebook at, uh, at it's Zach Baxter, I T S Z A C K B A X T E R and Instagram at, at Zach Baxter. Um, let's see. We got Gene Turner, uh, from Logan, Utah dropped us a line to say, been listening to your podcast. Just wanted to drop a line and tell you I'm really enjoying it. Thank you, Gene. That was awesome. Thanks, Gene. Uh, filmmaker Nick Hunt from Florida uh, sent us an email to let us know he's a fan and would love to be part of the show. And we definitely plan on having Nick on in just a few weeks. Uh, he's kind of another big name guy. Uh, I mean, he's like a for real filmmaker and uh, is going to come hang out on the show for a little while. So that's kind of cool. Uh, our friend Denny Louie from, uh, for the third week in a row, <laughs> he says, uh, I'm doing research for the after midnight podcast while listening to the horror returns. Uh, thanks for keeping me company boys. All right. No problem, thanks. man. That's what we're here for. Uh, Kevin Nez had this to say about alien. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he already said he wishes he could be on the show. He said, uh, good episode, dude. The uh, Nostromo crew uh, was on their way back to Earth when the company woke them up to check LV-426. In the book, Ash knew nothing about the engineer's ship. He only knew about it because uh, after he told the company what it was, and that's when they told him to bring it back to Earth. The company knew about the engineers, but they didn't know that their ship crashed on LV-426. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on before you go on. So he's ca- he's kind of calling me out there, because if you guys will recall, I mentioned the possibility that there was a conspiracy theory afoot that Ash oh, right. wasn't, yeah, maybe wasn't sleeping the whole time, even though he got up as they did <laughs> when the camera pinned in on the opening scene. Um, Kevin, I'm still not, I'm still not convinced, dude, that there wasn't maybe something he did know about just because they got a, all right, 
If you look at Ash and his character, he's pretty good at hiding his emotions. I mean, he is a fucking robot, for Christ's sake. And how yeah. do you know? I mean, do we really know he didn't know more than we were led to believe? I mean, I don't know. I'm just try- I guess I'm trying to justify the new movie, which I loved and most of my friends fucking hated. But I oh, think there you're... could be... <laughs> I could. I think there could be something to it. I yeah, really think that you're not alone, man. There, I'm kind of in the minority here too. That I thought it was a good movie. I did on on Kevin's show because I think I rated it an eight. I did take it back a little bit, right. just off a of discussion with people. And there, there is plot holes, but I'm I'm still holding to this movie is a, a piece in a bigger a bigger picture. Yeah, I think it's, it's I, just I'm a just piece of the puzzle. Yeah, I'm really just hoping that when it's when we're in the next couple movies, everything's just going to be like, oh, okay, now I understand. Right. right. I'm hoping so. when the puzzle gets put together, yeah. it's all going to make so much more sense and be way more awesome. It, it probably won't, <laughs> but I'm just trying to <laughs> stand up for my, for my man Ridley here. All right. Uh, as, I think he's got a plan. As you were, boys. Uh, and, of course, our friend Patrick Clear sent an email, uh, Origin Update. Because uh, we talked about uh, we talked about uh, Tom Hardy. Yeah, 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 and Spider Man, and uh, God damn it! Why Venom. can I not think of his Venom. name? Venom. Venom. There you Venom. go. <laughs> I was he was right there. Uh, so he he he's given us a little a little history lesson here. He says uh, Spider Man didn't find the suit when it was created from a machine. <laughs> Uh, he didn't find the suit. It was created from a machine for Spider-Man after his costume was destroyed. Uh, then when the symbiotic entity tried to take over Peter Parker, they fought each other and the symbiote lost and found Eddie Brock. Uh, that was like in the last movie that he was in. Right. Uh, both hated Spider-Man and blamed him for their misfortunes. Since then, though, the symbiote was captured and contained by S.H.I.E.L.D., and Flash Thompson took over wearing the suit. This version of Venom works for S.H.I.E.L.D., so hopefully this is the version we get because it's the only way it makes sense without Spider-Man. I think that, that is not the direction they're taking at all. Probably it sounds not. like more of a horror movie. <laughs> it, Venom is going to be a bad guy you know, and if, they're going to completely jump off the rails from the comic, which I'm okay with. If this movie was connected to the to the Marvel Universe, then maybe that might would make sense because Agent Venom is pretty fucking cool. But yeah. they're saying this is a standalone, not standalone. They're trying to make a R-rated Spider-Man villain universe that I don't even know if Spider-Man is going to show up. So, well, I, hopefully none of the other villains show up either because uh, they cannot make a standalone Doc Ock movie or any uh, you know fucking any they, of those villains. They're all super cheesy except Venom. Venom is cool shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but then again, it's Sony. Sony yeah, is. And, oh, Mark- and I want to update a comment I made about. Um, the Marvel rights to Spider-Man going in 2020. I guess this was made from the former executive at, at Sony. And I was told that she doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. She's oh. not even running Sony. So <laughs> it's, it's well, chaos over there. Chaos. I tell you. So if, if people I don't, don't even remember know who that was, she's not part of us. <laughs> yeah. So if anybody remembers, she was let kind of not let go, but kind of relieved of her duties 
mm-hmm. during the whole Sony email scandal oh, that happened. Oh, God, yes, I remember that. So a friend of mine was telling me, basically, they would be stupid to end this deal with Marvel in, like, a couple years. Because he he is actually, Tom Holland is actually contracted to do, I believe, three Spider-Man movies and three well, Marvel. The Avengers are in there. Yeah, and three Marvel appearances. So we're only getting one Spider-Man movie within that three years. So there's no way this contract is up in 2020. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Well, there you have it. And uh, thanks to everybody who reaches out to us. We love the feedback. Uh, As always, you can reach us at our Facebook or Podbean page. uh, Or you can email us directly at thehorrorreturns at gmail.com. Uh, we love to hear from you. Shoot us a little shout out, and we'll we'll let you on the show. Um, everybody, join the Facebook group. Yeah, oh yeah, de- definitely check lot that out. A lot going on over there. That was uh, that was Darren Wilson's uh, idea. To start that group. Thanks, thanks, Darren. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. All right, and now uh, it is time for our featured attractions. This week, it's back to 1968. Yeah, baby. Take a look at the year in horror. We're going to look at Night of the Living Dead, Rosemary's Baby, and Witchfinder General. We'll start with uh, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, Some trivia directed by, as everyone knows, George A. Romero, also known for Dawn of the Dead and Creepshow. Uh, The writers were George A. Romero along with John A. Russo, who is also known for Return of the Living Dead and Scream Queen's Naked Christmas. Oh, I got to check that one out. I think it's a documentary, actually. Oh. <laughs> um, so uh, the zombie hand that Tom hacks up with a kitchen knife was made out of clay and filled with chocolate syrup. That doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> it's called guerrilla <laughs> filmmaking, folks. Yeah. The uh, body upstairs in the house was made by director George A. Romero, who used ping pong balls for the eyes. Well, also doesn't really surprise me. <laughs> and uh, this probably won't surprise you that this is one of the uh, uh, most successful independent movies ever made. It was made for $114,000, equivalent to 798000 in 2017. It grossed approximately $30 million, which is equivalent to $210 million in 2017. Over 263 times its budget. Unfortunately, George A. Romero, this is what sucks, guys, saw very little profit from the film. When, thanks to his lack of knowledge regarding distribution deals, the distributors walked away with practically all of the profits. Damn. Fucking Hollywood, man. This is the, the Blair Witch from 1968. So, yeah, Night of the Living Dead, obviously a classic. Uh, Brian, you want to go first, man? Yeah, um, I have not seen this movie in a while, so it was good to rewatch it. Um, it definitely is a classic, but yeah. it kind of doesn't hold up for me. <laughs> I think my mind has been corrupted Uh-oh. by all the zombie movies and TV shows that it's just hard to look at these people as zombies. They just look like crazy people 
like yeah, walking right? around slowly. <laughs> but now you got to remember, over... this is one of the first zombie movies. Yeah. So. No, this, yeah, this, <laughs> yes, it started it all. It started the, the it's current race. Yeah, it's in its infancy. <laughs> yeah, I do appreciate the movie though. I, it's just right. the the actual zombies kind of took it out, took me out of it a little bit. But I did enjoy the performances from everybody, except. I'm probably going to just get a lot of shit for this review in whole. I could not stand the lead actress. Oh, come on, dude, me. You've got to be kidding me, dude. Come on. You know what? I'm going to go out of limb. Um, in the remake, the actress, that, or not even the actress, the, the way they did her character, they gave her some balls near the end. She grew, you know, she, she actually picked up a weapon and started, you know, killing zombies, you know, helping, you know, not just kind of in a daze yeah. off to the side doing, you know, not being yeah. productive in a situation like this. This one is the... helpless and just a burden to everybody. <laughs> yes. Are you, you talking about um, the Savini remake? Yes. Which I, I kind of, I kind of hold that one dear. Cause I, that came right. out when I was young and I watched it like over and over. And, uh, I was, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of practical effects and sure. anybody knows Tom Savini, you know, he's done who are countless movies as far as uh, as far as uh, special effects so right but with that being said i did enjoy everybody's performances uh the main guy ben you know he he played that that role because he was he was the one that was taking charge of everything he was like we need to do this we need to do that sure we're not doing that because i'm not putting myself in that situation the the actor who played um cooper was a Mm -hmm. complete douchebag yeah And it, they and kind it just of both made, were, though, to be fair. Yeah, but it, it made an inter- interesting conflict because you had Ben, who was trying to... T- I mean, essentially, they both tried to take charge, but in different ways. Mm-hmm. Cooper was the more, I'm going to hide out down here in the basement. And Ben was more like, take charge. We need to figure out how to get out of this situation. Mm-hmm. And for the, for, for the most part, I did enjoy the movie... Um, what did you guys think? I fucking love uh, it. I, I fucking love it. <laughs> I mean, this is. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry if you're about to chime in there, Philip. No, no, go for it. Yeah, no, I mean this. Uh, th- this movie means a lot to me. I, I really, um, and I can see what you're talking about, Brian. I mean, obviously, when you're going back, and we were talking, and that's why I kind of picked out some of that trivia of of what he did to 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 make the special effects he did. But when, yeah. you, when you think about the influence that this film has had, um, and for as low budget as it is, oh man, super low budget, and a lot of the yeah, I mean, I mean, don't get me like somebody's backyard or some shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like some of the effects were cool. Like like you said, he did the the corpse that was upstairs. Right. I kind of like the corpse. That looked that looked that looked great actually. Until they were dragging it on a like a, a carpet or something, and they <laughs> accidentally showed the face, and it was like Ping pong just balls. a person. <laughs> <laughs> they wasn't even a skeleton anymore; it's just a person. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this movie's near and dear to my heart. I mean, it's just the history of it. I know that I know that there was so much trivia I wanted to talk about. We've only got so much time to record the show. But I just know that um, George George A. Romero. I mean, bless you, man. I mean. The movies that you that you have made since the since this one, except for I think the next one after this, which was my favorite of the entire group, haven't been up to snuff. But I really, 
I mean, that just everything that I, I, I'm gushing here. I, we owe so much to this movie. Just the fact, if you love watching The Walking Dead, I mean, it, yeah. this is almost like the Old Testament here. I mean, seriously, I don't mean to to go overboard here, but the, no, you're right though. The, <laughs> I mean, you you just got to give this movie its due. And yes, it was low budget and it was guerrilla filmmaking, and I loved it. And I know for a fact that they had they had to like film, and then like cops would show up, and they had to leave, and they ended up getting the Pittsburgh cops to help them. Like, and they used the the actual news uh, agency's helicopter to film. Uh, the actual police ended up coming and helping film the movie. Um, I really? mean, it's just amazing what they did with the amount of money that they spent to make this and the, the repercussions that it's had on, on the film and television industry. Um, I mean, it just means a lot to me. I'm not going to say anything else about it. It's just maybe it's because I'm the old the elder statesman of the group, as we established earlier. But just a special, <laughs> special, special movie. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, I, It's not the first zombie movie, but it's the first zombie movie where they're actually zombies and, and not just like some voodoo New Orleans zombies, you know? Uh, it, the first one where they actually eat people. The, where we think of zombies for what they are right now, this is the first one. Yeah, all the... All and the uh, it's, you, like you have, I said, it's Old Testament. You have to, you have to pierce them in the brain. Uh, they eat people, right. you know, all the things that weren't in zombie movies before this one, right, Philip? Yeah, they and they went through all the rules in this one. This is what created all the rules, and I thought that was super cool. Uh, having said that, uh, you know, and I love the very first scene where it's set up in the uh, in the in the cemetery. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 definitely old school and cheesy. I it, it probably doesn't really hold up as well. <laughs> Going back and watching it, it's a little goofy, uh, but. It's it's kind of a fun cheese, you know. Um, it is, um, it's an iconic scene. The we're, yeah. they're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> right, and that was creepy. I loved the first. The whole first scene was awesome. I loved it. Uh, I, I kind of wish the zombie had been done up a little more, but to be fair, he had just died. Um, yeah. You know, they were at a graveyard. <laughs> um, I think it was cool that they uh, that they they casted a black guy as the lead role. Um, very progressive, and you know, of course, the cops shot him at the end. So, <laughs> well, that. yeah, like as if they thought he was a zombie, right? Hey, he was holding a fucking gun. <laughs> He's a zombie. Get him! <laughs> oh boy. Um, the special effects aren't awesome. Low budget. What are you gonna do? Uh, the struggle, the fight scenes were really kind of bad. Uh, except that scene where he ray riced that bitch in the face. Oh, that felt good because she was. <laughs> <laughs> that bitch made me so mad, dude. She was like, it, like once she got in there, she didn't say anything. She didn't talk at all. She didn't. She just left her brother out in the cemetery and ran off. She doesn't talk or help or anything. She's completely useless. She was reunited and, uh, with him later. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's, as soon as he finally gets her talking, it, like the look on his face, you can tell that he just regrets it immediately. Right. <laughs> like, so the second she starts going, he's like, oh, God, that was a mistake. And then he ended up having to punch her in the face to shut her the hell up. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty rough, huh? 
<laughs> yeah, and then there's the uh, the uh, there's a chick that gets grabbed by the zombies, and she looks like she likes it just a little too much. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, but it was. I mean, the zombies are like the hands are reaching through and they're grabbing her, and she's like, "Oh, oh, oh!" <laughs> I didn't, I didn't catch that. Did you have the drugs? Uh, are you gonna make me go back and watch this again? Because I, I, I missed that. Scene. It was funny. That was that was my thought when I watched it. I was like, mm, "She's hanging out by that door a little too much there." <laughs> wow. And then uh, there was there was the one scene, another scene where they the the scene actually where they chopped up the hand, um, and and there was like no sound effects on it. It yeah, was that weird. Kind of weird. Yeah, like it it totally dropped out. But you know, low budget. Like I said, it looks like it's made from somebody's backyard and it's iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, and they sure did make a shitload of noise, considering there's a bunch of zombies outside. They're like screaming at each other. <laughs> we need to go to the basement and then ben who sounds like dave Chappelle doing a white guy impression now listen here i'm the boss and we're gonna stay up here <laughs> and then of course then of course everybody dies and he only lives by hiding in the basement which he didn't want to do in the first place right <laughs> uh that's all right I gotta throw a stupid people alert out there. Uh oh, uh oh, Brian, you're I'm falling down Brian, the job, so Philip's picking up the slack. Yeah, he he might be talking about the same thing, so I'll let you go ahead, sir. Oh, probably because I'm sure you're gonna get to it uh, when they're when they're trying to get the uh, the the fuel pump going on the truck. Yep, yep. Uh, and they shoot the lock off of the fuel pump with a gun, <laughs> which. Why the fuck not? You know, while they're holding torches. Sure. Uh, it's like that whole that whole scene. I, I feel like he should have handed somebody his beer before he started it. You know. <laughs> Here, hold my beer. <laughs> Which I, I know this is not a you know we're not reviewing the remake, but they kind of put an exclamation point on how dumb this guy is in the remake because in the remake the entire pump and truck explode instantly. Well, that would have been a little more realistic. <laughs> hey, don't shoot the giant full t- fuel tank, okay? <laughs> um, the, the, okay, the, one of the saving grace scenes, though, was uh, when the kid became a zombie. The kid that was in the basement oh, the whole time. Wow. Oh, that was chilling. And, and killed that. Oh, man, that was amazing. That was wow. super creepy. That totally stopped me in my tracks. Like, I was... I was ready to make fun of this movie the whole time, and then I saw that, and uh, it, it it stopped what stopped me from what I was doing. It was good. Yeah. Um. Definitely, definitely a classic. If you've never seen it, go watch it. It's worth it. Uh, just from the history of it alone, um, doesn't hold up as well as I would have hoped, but uh, it's it's still a classic. You guys ready for ratings? Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, I started it off. So overall, I like the story. Um, I enjoyed the acting. Um, Philip has resurrected the stupid people segment. And <laughs> for that, I am going to give it a seven. Um, I oh, take off, nice. off a couple things just because, like I said, a couple things don't hold up for me. And I, I kind of blame that as just being overrun with so much zombie stuff throughout the years. So, um, 
Well, and we're in the heyday of zombies now. Yeah, but it is definitely a classic, and everybody should. If you are into zombie flicks and you've never seen this one, you you have to because this is where it started right here. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised uh, you rated it that high, man. I didn't didn't think you'd give it a seven. That's that's commend that's commendable, man. That's a good score. Um, uh, I, on the other hand, am going to go quite a bit higher. I give it an eight point five. Um, and the biggest uh, problem that you guys seem to have with this is how stupid the people act, and you know how, how you know shooting the shooting the lock, and the way that uh, you know Barbara is like comatose and can't say anything. You gotta understand. I mean, we're in our regular fucking world here. If this really happened, and all of a sudden the dead started coming out of their graves and coming back to life, I mean, we may not act exactly how we think we would act in that situation. I mean, I think in a way that kind of that kind of speaks to George A. Romero's mastery of directing the film is that some people acted the way that you don't know how you would act in a situation like this. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I mean, I'm not too surprised that there were people who who did who did things that that made absolutely no sense. You know, I mean, I, that kind of added to the paranoia and the fear of the whole thing for me. So, you know, and to be fair, there were no zombies before this. Oh man, I mean this is just this 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 wrote the rule book. The only thing that I think has kind of changed from this is that you guys will notice and and I and I and I will I will I will admit this that it was kind of cheesy the way the zombies could use like tools like some of them were like banging rocks oh, yeah. on, the, on the car and the, and the, of course the little girl with the you know in the final scene that you were referring to and all that. But, you know, give credit where credit's due. Romero was kind of feeling it out at this point. But yeah, 8.5 Nice. Uh, I'm going to go. I think it gets a lot of points just for being such a classic and, and such a uh, just a, 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 a Rosetta Stone for zombie movies. You know what I mean? Uh, this mm-hmm. is for sure. It's it started at all. And so it has to get something. Um, having said that, though, man, I, if it wasn't so iconic it'd be really bad. <laughs> I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say six, 6.5. And I, man. Oh yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely a classic and it's fun right. to watch. I mean, it's, it's super cheesy, but it's fun. Right. And, uh, I, I, I enjoyed it, man. I'm glad that we did this episode. I really enjoyed watching this movie. Awesome. All right. You guys ready to move on? Yeah, yep. and apologies if anybody hears a baby in the background. That is my niece, and Uh-oh. she thinks she she thinks she can talk. So she's yeah. only one. So Babies. apologies, Brian. <laughs> that's right. Brian is the master of the segues. Is it Rosemary's Baby? Next film of nineteen sixty eight that we're going <laughs> to discuss is Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> I sure hope that's not who's with you over there, Brian. Oh, it better <laughs> not be. We're going to have problems. <laughs> I think I would be able to tell with the eyes. He's <laughs> got his yeah. brother's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The director and writer, uh, or at least screenwriter, Roman Polanski, uh, also known for Repulsion and The Ninth Gate. Uh, the film is based on a novel by Ira, Ira Levin, who we, uh, we should know pretty well because he also wrote The Stepford Wives, which we re- reviewed previously. Um, according to Mia Farrow, the scenes where Rosemary walks in front of traffic in New York City on the streets were sp- spontaneous and genuine. 
Uh, Roman Polanski oh. is reported to have told her that nobody will hit a pregnant woman. So just walk on out there in the traffic. Well, maybe in 1968. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> I probably wouldn't, probably wouldn't do it now. <laughs> well, uh, Philip, what what'd you think about this movie, man? Uh, this one's a classic. Okay, this is this is one that I've seen probably a dozen times. Um, it's always on TV late at night and stuff, you know. Uh, and I've always had a love for it. It's definitely a slow burn. Uh, it kind of writes the book on it to me. Um, it's it it's got like an hour of buildup before anything really happens. Right. Uh, so. It, you know, I mean, it, it it works for some people, and for some people it doesn't. Um, it's a little bit theatrical, but Guy, the main character, well, not the main character, but Rosemary's husband, uh, is supposed to be uh, an actor uh, and and like a theatrical actor. So it kind of makes sense, and I think it was pretty deliberate. Right. Um, I I I think the acting is is pretty great, though. Uh, I love the old cult, the old couple. They're super fucking funny, man. And I like I know a lot of people that remind me of these people, (laughs) (laughs) which kind of creeps me out a little bit at the moment. (laughs) You're talking about uh, Roman and Minnie? Yeah, they're funny, man. I love Minnie. She's great. (laughs) Yeah, the famous Ruth Gordon. She's uh, man. She goes way back. She's so funny, man. I I, I love this movie. Um, The doctor. I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but he sounds like a total quack. I don't know why she listened to him for as long as she did. Uh, Dr. Saperstein. Dr. Saperstein. I love that. Uh, I love they have that scene in there where uh, uh, when they find out that she's pregnant and they all like toast with a glass of wine. <laughs> hey, you're pregnant. Let's drink some wine. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> surprise they didn't have cigarettes there, too. Right. Yeah. 1968. What are you gonna do? <laughs> um, I, I I love the uh, I love the transformation uh, that that Mia Farrow grows through. I think that they did a great job with that um, because they 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 take her from very vibrant and young and kind of innocent, mm-hmm. and and they they beat her down and and she looks all malnourished and and dead like she looks like fucking marilyn manson at one point in this movie (laughs) and then uh and then gets all vibrant again later when the when the baby is uh i guess evolving a little more i don't know uh but I, I I love the the stages that she goes through where it's like innocent to 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 sick to uh very paranoid and it it adds a little bit from uh movies where you don't know if they're crazy or not and i mean obviously yeah obviously in this movie we know that she's not crazy but she is the only one who knows she's not the only one that knows what's going on but She's she's got this everybody's plotting against her thing, and unfortunately, in this movie, everybody is plotting against her, and so she sounds crazy every time she talks to her or to anybody else. And I imagine when she's talking to anybody else, she probably thinks that she sounds crazy when she's doing it. 
And she's probably not entirely sure of herself the whole time until the end of the movie. And I got to say, I love the ending of the movie. I love that they don't show the baby. Um, I, I, I love everything that happens, man. This is this is a classic, a classic staple in a horror movie genre. If you have never seen this movie, uh, even more so than Night of the Living Dead, if you've never seen this movie, you have to watch it. Okay, um, I'll go next. Um, this also is another movie I have not seen in a long time, and I am grateful that I got a chance to rewatch it because I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything you said, Philip, is right on point. Um, everybody that is conspiring against her is very like their characters are like so weird and creepy and memorable like everyone like you you brought up the old couple um also the the guy that i guess runs the the apartment building that was showing the uh apartment to him he was super weird and creepy and but the creep factor for me got kind of amped up with the husband because he had a specific line in here that i was like what did you say and that was the scene when she got um, she apparently was drugged and passed out. Right. And he still had sex with her. And then when she woke up, he mentioned it. And she was like, while I was passed out, he said, yeah, it was kind of fun in a necrophile way. <laughs> right. I was like, whoa, you yeah, couldn't have been I'm, like, yeah, you were really into it. You and didn't, he, and he, you all remember? <laughs> yeah, and he said it just so happy-go-lucky, just like, you know what I'm saying? The necrophile. Right. Ne- you know, I'm like, whoa. Yeah, you, you were passed out, but it was cool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm like, with all this weird stuff going on, and then your husband comes at you with that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, you have to be losing your mind at this point. Mm. But I thought the actress, Mia Fair, I thought she was great in it. Um, right. I do agree. Um, I like her transformation throughout the movie, especially physically. Yeah. Because you could see, you know, the, I don't know what effects they did as far as makeup or anything, but you can tell when she was losing weight. You could see it yeah. in her face. Um, yeah. She was like, I, she looked like uh, Christian Bale from The Machinist. Oh, <laughs> wow. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty close. And I. Well. Totally, I totally forgot Charles Grodin was in this movie. I didn't, even, played reckon, the, I didn't even recognize him, man. Yeah, young Charles Grodin, she, when she actually goes to someone to get help and tells the whole story, you think, okay, she's finally got someone that believes her that's going to help her out. Nope. Right. He calls <laughs> her doctor and her right. husband to come pick her up. Basically, yeah. go with them, or I will admit you into a psychiatric ward. And... Wow. And you just felt so bad for her. But um, I also do agree. Um, I'm glad we didn't see the baby at the end. I think we, well, we just got the glimpse of the eyes. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I was kind of curious because apparently the, the, the feet and the hands are a, a little bit crazy looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but I think we would have been disappointed if we'd have seen it. I mean, it was yeah, 1960. It, you know, it yeah, leaves it up to your imagination. So... Um, yeah, I hold this film up in high regards. It it is a definite must watch for any horror fan. Yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, I had not seen this film before now, and uh, I actually I actually watched it twice. Um, and that's because I don't think I gave it a fair shake the first time I watched it because I was kind of focusing on 
I, it went, in my opinion, was like maybe some overacting a little bit and just kind of a lot of theatrical stuff. And I, I mean, I love a good slow burn, but this was this was just dead, <laughs> almost almost paralyzed. It was so slow. And um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I I just thought, okay, let, let me give it a second look. And so I did watch the film twice. And the second time I watched it, I, I kind of started to realize something. And maybe it's because I started watching a TV show based on a movie, which is based on a novel by Margaret Atwood this week called The Handmaid's Tale. You guys heard about oh. this one? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Things My wife it. started watching that. It looks fucking awesome. A it Hulu is. show, right? It is. It is a Hulu show. And what I think, if you really want to look at the big picture, what this movie is telling you and what that uh, series is telling you, um, I mean, look, we hear a lot about, and it's true, Mr. Nancy says it on the on the boat in the second episode of uh, American Gods, the way that black people have been treated since the beginning. Um, but I mean, fuck, have we treated our women too much better than that? <laughs> you know, if you think about it, I mean, it's like the first thought, the knee-jerk reaction to, to, the, to when a woman starts uh, realizing something's off or something's weird. What's the first thing we do? Ah, uh, you know, you're just, you know, you're hysterical. You're, right. you're having a panic attack. You're, you know, uh, come on, babe, take this pill, you know, or whatever. And I think that when you look at the big picture, that's kind of what this movie's telling you. It's just kind of putting a mirror back on our society and the way that we've been for literally hundreds of years, the way we treated our women. And uh, when you really look at it that way, it's a whole different movie, you know? Yeah. I mean, it kind of is. It's 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 a little bit about women's lib, and I, you know, it was in the '60s. I mean, I got a lot more out of it on the second watch. Um, I mean, it was a little cheesy at the end when they were going "Hail Satan, Hail Satan." I loved that. Hail oh, I loved that. Well, I, I thought that was creepy was super, as hell. Yeah, but it was super cheesy to me, dude. I've just seen <laughs> too many movies. And, and, I thought and it was true. This one came first, you know. But this was, was the little, first, yeah. I thought it was a little racist with the Asian guy with the glasses and the camera. Oh, the camera! That's right. Yeah. Kind of funny. Who's taking the picture? The Asian guy, right? I'm like, where did you come from? Oh, man. But he's got a camera. Yeah. Right. That's funny. I didn't even think about that. Wow. Okay. But yeah, well. I can see the portrayal of women in this. You know, like, like you know, they had her. Basically, she was like little little Miss Susie homemaker. You know. Had her husband's dinner, had his beer ready for him when he got home. Yeah. And everything she was just trying to tell him, he was just, oh, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're crazy. You taking your pills, you know, you drinking your weird little herb shake thing from the neighbors. Well, man, and I got to say, I think his performance is totally underrated because you can tell that he totally changes after uh, she gets raped by Satan or whatever. Oh, wow. Guy. Yeah, and and he 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 thinks differently of her. Yeah, the yeah, whole time you you could you, you could tell immediately. Yeah, how he you could tell where the struggle begins with you know what what he's involved in. Yeah, but by the end, it's you know he's got his he's got his little career going, and you know this this will be good for everybody. And then you know she just spits right in his face, just like. Literally, you know, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not feeling nothing yeah. you're saying because. We'll Although I don't know how he thought he was going to get away with any of this shit. <laughs> Just, I, know, I mean, this, this show also. General public service announcement, guys. 
don't fucking do it. They're going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I hear you loud and clear. But but this uh, this also says a lot about Hollywood, doesn't it? That he was willing to do that to be successful. And mm-hmm. I mean, this movie's pretty deep. There's a lot here. Selling your firstborn to Satan. Literally. Mm-hmm. You guys ready for scores? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, yeah, I guess I went first. Uh, I'm going to give this one a nine. I think it's uh, I think it's a horror movie staple. Um, right up there with uh, like Evil Dead Two, and uh, and 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 talking about a totally different movie. <laughs> well, I know, but I'm saying like it, as far as as horror movies that if you are a horror fan, you need to watch this. Gotcha. This is yeah, one gotcha. you need basic to basic- watch. Basically, if you put a list together of horror movies you need to watch, this would be on there. Yeah. Night of the Living Dead, while it's a classic, you don't necessarily need to watch it. It's no, a good idea. come on, dude. Seriously? I'm saying it's if you it watch was not a great Dead, You don't think people should watch Night of the Living Dead, Philip? I think that they should, but it's it, – because it's the genesis of it. But tell me Dawn of the Dead is not way better than Night of the Living Dead. Oh fuck! Hell yeah, dude! Head and shoulders above. I, I get, I get the must watch list. Night of the Living Dead is 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 classic and beginning, but you don't have to see it. Rosemary's Baby, you have to see. Gotcha. Well, that's um, uh, strong, strong words, man. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm almost there with you. I'm gonna give it an eight point five. This is a definite must watch. I thought the performances were great. Um. I, uh, as we talked about earlier with the with the reveal of the baby, but yet you didn't see the baby. I thought that was because uh, most movies would have showed you the baby. Right. And I really like that, you know, left a lot to the imagination. Um, I like the little twist. And, too. Yeah. And the like I brought it up earlier, the creep factor with just everybody that was just in on it were just so and I didn't even bring up the lady. The, the heavyset lady that was uh, super nice to her throughout the movie and then was just a total bitch to her at the end. It was just the one that was rocking the baby all She's super crazy. She's rocking real fast. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. The old Coke bottle glasses. <laughs> yeah, how her, when the reveal, you know, when everybody knew what was going on, her, you know, the, her reveal of who she truly was was just uh, night and day from her just being this nice lady trying to help out. And then she yeah, sent her out at her. Yeah. <laughs> I love the whole last scene. He said it was cheesy, but I loved it. Um, but yeah, uh, eight point five. Damn. All right. <clears throat> um, yeah, I liked it too. I liked the movie quite a bit, and I liked the uh, the depth of the of the script. And I liked I liked what it was saying. I give it a uh, seven point five. Nice. All right. So our third third film, nineteen sixty eight, is Witchfinder General, which. Uh, if you're playing the home game, guys, or listening to the show, you might know it better as the Conqueror Worm. Uh, but I, I actually found it under <laughs> iTunes. I rented it under iTunes under as Witchmaster General. Or <laughs> there I go again with the fucking. <laughs> I keep I keep confusing it with Wishmaster. Okay, uh, I, I looked it. I looked it up real quick. The film was retitled The Conqueror Worm in the United States in attempt to link it with. Roger Corman's earlier series of Edgar Allan Poe-related films, starring Price. There you have it. Okay. okay. Makes sense. Thanks for uh, the research, man. Because I had no fucking idea why they would see that. <laughs> I didn't either. It was, it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was directed by Michael, 
Michael Reeves, also known for She Beast and the Sorcerers. And the writer <laughs> the writers were Michael Reeves and Tom Baker, uh, who also co wrote the Sorcerers. The uh, the real Matthew Hopkins was only in his mid twenties in sixteen forty five and died before he was thirty. Vincent Price's character is is obviously middle aged like the actor himself. Hopkins and Stern executed more than three hundred people, mainly women, during and this is all true, during their two to three yeah. years of witch hunting, quote unquote. Considering that five hundred people in, in total were executed for witchcraft in England between the late fifteenth and, and late eighteenth centuries, that means that Hopkins was responsible for two thirds of those executions and during a, a short period of only three years. Wow. Just serial killer. Wow. Um, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first on this, guys. Do you mind? Yeah. Um, I don't have too much to say about it. All I'm going to say is that this movie was uh, Vincent Price at his absolute priciest. Would you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. All right, <laughs> moving on. Who's next? Uh, oh, man. I, I guess I'll go. I'll go. Um, go ahead. I, I, I have gotta, never hey, heard of this. There, hold on. Now, let me explain something real quick. I'm kind of in a hurry now. You guys take okay. your time, but here's the thing. I'm going to the bar. Tomorrow starts another Whole30 for me where I'm on a ketosis diet for 30 days with no sugar, no alcohol, no dairy, etc. So you get the point. As you were, gentlemen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try to get through mine real quick. Um, I've never heard of this movie, but... When I watched it, I'm glad I watched it because I, you know, I'm a big fan of Vincent Price. Right. But overall, the story was okay. This this movie was more brutal than entertaining because the, these things they use, these situations, or I, I don't even know the words. Um, these tests they use for for witches are fucking outrageous. Yeah. The whole <laughs> I'm gonna stab you in the back, and if if you if you um, scream out in agony or pass out, that is the devil relieving you of your pain. <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, the whole dunking people in water, and if they float, then they're they're not lying. Uh, this movie is out, and wow. and the the, uh, the one guy was a total douchebag. The the assistant or his partner, Hell yeah, with, and with, his little Prince Valiant haircut. Yeah, I was I, <laughs> I was gonna say dumb just, haircut, but yeah. <laughs> and I thought in the beginning of the way Vincent Price played it, you know, he seemed like he really I'm not gonna say like throughout the movie he didn't, but in the beginning he really seemed like he believed in what he was doing until the scene where he got word that his partner raped that girl and then all of a sudden he just changed and it was like, Well, well, you know, Kill basically kill kill the uncle, kill the priest, kill everybody. Yeah, Just continue on. I'm like, whoa, where did this? Ha-? You know, when did this happen? Because you seem like right. he was doing a favor for her, and he then realizes sudden, suddenly he has power. Yeah, and overall, I thought the best performance was Vincent Price. Um, Obviously, everybody was okay. I guess you know. You kind of have to get over some. There's some bad acting in here. There, you know, of course, the the blood always makes me laugh. The, yeah. the red paint looking blood, but overall, it you know, to I think what I really got out of it was the fact that this stuff kind, of, this stuff that happened in this movie really did happen at a time. 
And it's just right. crazy how somebody would do the minor littlest thing and you just be accused of a witch. And then they would do these tests that are just so brutal and horrifying and made no sense. And it was, it was kind of crazy to watch it on screen, especially a movie that was uh, made in 1968. Right. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with a lot of what you just said, man. Uh, so this one is, before the Salem witch trials uh, in England, and it is absolutely based on true events. So they really thought this shit. Um, and these guys are a bunch of ass holes. And don't want to throw politics in the mix because I hate it. But uh, and 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 I'm a Republican, so I'll I'll say that. But. Uh, like, if you rolled up Donald Trump, Kanye West, and Charlie Manson into one, this oh, guy is so hateable. It, I'm telling you. And his Hell, douche nozzle buddy is even worse. <laughs> his little fucking wow. dumb and dumber haircut. I hate that guy. <laughs> for, for, a show, for a show that we go out of our way to avoid politics, dude, you just, you just said I know, right? a fucking uh, missile up into the air, dude. <laughs> I, I, actually, I'm, I'm kind of anti-politics in general. So. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm fucking um, with you, man. I'm fucking I with thought you. it. I thought it was well acted. Uh, it was pretty believable, man. It took it took a while to get into it, uh, just because it's old and it's in Technicolor. And I mean, you you got to be in the right mindset to watch a movie like that, man. It is it, it's definitely old school. And I had never heard of it before. Um, so the first you know twenty minutes of the movie uh, was just me getting accommodated to the movie, uh, but then. It, it it really got pretty good, man. I'm I'm absolutely glad I watched this, you know. Uh, and it's only like an hour and twenty minute movie, so it's it's not hard to 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 watch. Um, and there's a scene where they're lowering the people off the bridge, and they're all tied up, and they have, uh, you know, they they set the witch rules in this one. Um, and, and one of the rules is if they float. Uh, or swim, then they're witches, and if they sink and drown, then they're innocent. Which, yeah, which <laughs> I yet, watching man. that scene when they were bringing them back up, I thought one of the actresses was dead. I know, right? I guess the, the 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 yeah the initial one that they they said, oh, she's she might be. So <laughs> she's floating. Bring her up so we can hang her. Yeah. Wow. I thought the way she was just on the rope. I'm like, maybe did they accidentally kill this actress <laughs> and film it? <laughs> and here yeah, we go. And I was, years later, Wizard of Oz midget hanging himself thing. Right. You know? I, I also thought the one scene was kind of brutal too. The the burning of the witches, the way they would tie them up on that um, that ladder or whatever, and just slowly lower them down. Right. Okay, and I saw the the. It was like the. I guess it was the director's cut. I don't know which which side you saw, but you could tell where the scenes were added in that they had to take out because they weren't as, uh, as as clean. Yes. And so yeah, and so like <laughs> there was a lot of those in in that scene where they were lowering her in, into the fire. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a pretty good one. Um, I I kind of. Kept waiting for somebody to shout out from the crowd. She's a witch, Burner. <laughs> <laughs> she turned into a newt. 
what what did you guys Monty Python there, huh? I I got better. (laughs) What did you guys think about the end? When he uh when the main I I guess the I forgot his name in the movie when he finally got his uh, revenge on right he went all crazy huh I thought the ending was fucking weird yeah I'm like so do these soldiers of the the soldiers of uh, the queen or whatever I I don't even know the proper terminology do they not have any kind of ranking over these guards that they can't get down to this dungeon it's right? really weird that they had to go through this elaborate fight scene. To, well, to, it was in the you know 1600s, so I I imagine that if you walk around like you own the shit, then they're just gonna let you own oh, the shit. Which is speaking, which I'm, is I'm, what I'm, happened with Vincent Price's character to begin with. He wasn't proclaimed by Parliament or whatever, but he said he was, and everybody just fucking believed him. Uh, and I'm jumping all over the place here. I got to bring up the fight scene with Prince Valiant looking partner guy and the soldier <laughs> in the bar. That was probably the worst, greatest, funniest thing I've ever seen. He did this like Superman thing. Yeah, <laughs> that was cool. I just had to bring that up. I was I was dying laughing. It was hilarious. But back to the better day. fight scenes than Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> oh shit! Gotta say, it is. Dude, they were pulling punches in that movie the whole time. Like every time they were about to hit somebody, they like pulled back and. <laughs> it, was a, it was a different time, guys. It was a different. A different no, it, wasn't. Era. it was this year. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, all this stuff was a different era than where we are now. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, I liked it. I'm, I'm. I had never heard of this movie, and I'm absolutely glad that I watched it. Uh, I, I think it was great. It was. I, I can't call it a classic because I'd never heard of it, but it kind of right. is, man. Yeah, See, if you're crazy. the whole witch thing, check it out. Yeah, that's crazy as I'm pulling it up. In 2005, uh, Total Film Magazine named it the 15th greatest horror film of all time. <laughs> nah, <laughs> okay. I don't know about that I'm because it's almost, it's almost more of a cool history uh, yeah. exactly. than, than a like horror a docu- film. docudrama. Yeah, right. that's 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 what I got out of it. Right. But because it's real, it makes it that much scarier. Here. It's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Right. All right. Well, uh, can we go into scores? Yeah. Because yep. I'm ready to get to the bar. All right. Uh, you went first. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm ready to get back. To- 6.5. I enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, I think I'm right there with you, uh, Lance. Uh, Six point five. I think um, just the Not fact bad. that uh, this stuff actually happened was mm-hmm. pretty fucking crazy. Not bad. wow. Yeah, I, I'm gonna give it an eight. I uh, I what? really yeah, man. Dude. I'm telling well, this, you, it this was, might it be was, the fifteenth greatest horror film of all time. Yeah, maybe it it was technical. It was a, it was a, a a really nice surprise, man. I totally didn't expect anything from this movie, especially since I'd never heard of it. But I thought it was great. All right, there you have it, folks. Uh, so it would probably overall recommend all three of these movies, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. All right, so uh, as always, we want to thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Horror Returns. We'd love to hear your feedback and ideas. You can always reach us at thehorrorreturns at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Podbean, yada, 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 yada. And the Facebook <laughs> <laughs> What's What's the group again? How do they get to the group, Brian? 
just go to Facebook and type in the Horror Returns group, and we will add you as fast as you uh, request an invite. There you go. (laughs) Almost makes sense. The Horror Returns group. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Next week, it is time. If you guys, uh, let me ask you guys a question. Are y'all willing to give the DC Universe one more chance? Of course. You know what? I am hearing very, very good reviews about this movie. Uh, it looks cool. I'm hearing that <laughs> okay. what they what they said was wrong with the first two movies, um, they fixed. Wait a minute. But, the first three movies. Well, no. Don't forget Suicide Squad. Well, I'm not. I'm not counting Man of Steel because I uh, thought that movie okay. was. Good. I thought that movie it counts, but I don't count it because right. that was a good movie. So I enjoyed, yeah, I, I enjoyed it too. I enjoyed it too, but everybody else shit on it. But yeah. right now, the like full reviews are not out because you know everybody's on that got that embargo. But um, it, it's looking like this is going to be a good movie for DC. I think it is. I'm excited about it. Okay. Well, next week. Wonder Woman. We're going to dive in, that's right, as if you couldn't tell from what Philip said, Wonder Woman, uh, as well as uh, another great World World War movie, uh, Captain America, the First Avenger. Cool. And uh, we are going to be joined by our good friend uh, Denny Lewis of the After Midnight Podcast. So, until the horror returns again, good Well, I thought we were all going to go on that one. (laughs) That'll work. Good night.